Welcome to this episode of Twisted and Misunderstood with me, your host, Dominic J. Zenden. On this edition, we're going to be talking about some of the myths of the paranormal world. Do we believe in everything we're told? And if we do, does someone writing about something make it so? It's an interesting subject when you start to examine the amount of things that were told. How much truth is that actually there? Have you visited Mindsight lately? Mindsight is my website with all the latest news and offers that actually are happening in the world of Dominic J. Zenden. If you are interested, go and have a look at mynd.site.org, mindsight.org, and you will see such things as vintage photographic profiling. In other words, mediumship and aura readings from the same photograph. Really interesting. Go and have a look to see how that's done. Plus, for a limited time, we're doing a two-for-one offer on all tuition. So you can book two hours now for the price of one. So if you're interested in learning how to read auras or how to work as a medium or even learn learning tarot or other divination sets of cards, Come and talk to me and see if we can arrange a few lessons. And it's not as expensive as you may think it is. So very available, especially at this time. Enjoy the rest of the show. Paranormal myths. Well, where do we start with paranormal myths? There are lots of things that we as humans are very curious about. There are things that have been going on as long as I can remember. One of the biggest myths for me is the Loch Ness Monster. There is no monster as far as I'm concerned. The lake has been drenched. It's actually had submarines go down. People have been looking and they've even now analysing the water. And nothing has been found. So, where does all these legends about a monster start from? Well, they believe that they are or were a practical joke made up to fool somebody's friends. It's a very simple thing that people do to start off something and then a whole tourist industry grows out of it and nobody gets to see anything else. And that's the the case with the Loch Ness Monster. I'm not going to stop anybody going out there and, and enjoying looking for Nessie because I'm sure that the whole prelude of the, the search, the hunt, mm. and the excitement that people get is, is amazing. And I think it's akin to what people get when they go on a lot of these ghost hunts, which I hate the word ghost hunts, but when they go around a haunted house or go around a tour, mm. a lot of these places are just done for commercial purposes only. Mm. And it really not that scary or that frightening mm. when daylight comes in through the windows, turn the curtains closed and turn the lights off. And these places become very scary places because you get very disorientated with them. And quite a lot of the so-called haunted buildings are very disorientating. And yeah, there are one or two really great places around, but a lot aren't. It's a bit like Loch Ness. Loch Ness is one of these places where you can go and pay to have a tour, go and have a guide, take you around, 
go on the lake or the lock, I should say, and enjoy the experience of being in that sort of realm. But as for monsters underneath, highly improbable, very unlikely. And it's one of my top 10 myths of the paranormal world. Coming in a second myth for me is the hollow earth theory. Now, this is a theory that actually says that the, there are entrances into the earth and a race of intelligent beings lives inside the earth. Well, I've heard lots of things and lots of theories about this. And Tolkien actually wrote a whole book on it called The Hobbit and Middle Earth and all the other things that he's actually brought out of it. The, the facts are there is no middle earth there is no hollow earth theory there may be there may have been in the past people or our ancestors went inside the earth for shelter into caves where these myths and legends began from but the fact that there would be no civilization inside the earth is i think a very strong everything points to the fact that these people would not exist now, I've done studies on places like Mount Shasta in California, America, and people disappear around that mountain. And people have also claimed that there is a race of people that live underground. And Mount Shasta is the, the opening, if you like, the, the exit point or the entrance point for the civilization. Again, it's a legend. It's a myth. Until we actually get that firm evidence that there's a, a race of intelligent beings living in our middle of our planet, I think that the people that write science fiction are very, very good at exploiting these myths of the stories that are long passed down through many generations. And while I'm talking about things about the people that write, there's so much I read. Um, I, I look at um, a lot of the spiritual publications, things like um, the magazines that come out every month, and have a quick look through to see what's being, being talked about within them. And some of the stuff in there is beyond belief. The other day I read um, fairies were, were flying around in my leaves. So a, a lady had taken a picture outside her house of these fairies supposedly in the same places that her leaves were being blown about. And she claimed that she could see fairies in it. And maybe, maybe not. I don't want to say that people are, are, are totally blind to the fact that the world is full of different things that we don't see. Because I do believe that there's a lot that our visual and our hearing spectrums do not reach. But when it comes to the fae, the fairies, the, the folk that are little folk that roam our, our woodlands and our gardens, it could well be a really well-concocted story to, to just fill the time. And our ancestors were, were fabulous at um, telling stories that are all the same throughout the world. There's all these fairy tales that start in, in certain places that 
build up and build up and perpetuate the myth. You know, there's um, Cinderella is, is one of the best ones. You know, the glass slipper that fits onto a Cinderella. That goes into 70 different countries and has 70 different versions of the same story, which is clearly a fairy story. That's why we use the word fairy and story together. And the Brothers Grimm from Germany, they wrote Rapunzel. That was the first um, known um, fairy story that they wrote. And they had to change it because in their version, the princess got pregnant. And it wasn't acceptable in pre-1920s Germany. And the Brothers Grimm had to change the story in order for it to become a children's story. And the difference was these stories were about children. They weren't for children. Now, there's a big, big difference. And I think that to a degree, we've lost some of that sort of want to write fiction and tell stories and pass them down through the generations. But the same stories perpetuate throughout our history. The story of Cinderella is a, is a classic one. But when you take someone like Walt Disney, who made um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, that whole Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was depicted from lots of other stories that have been told for generations after generations of, of people throughout Europe and the world. And if you look at the story of Cinderella, you'll see it being told in all these countries, but all in different ways. And there's some real grim versions where you see Cinderella having to chop her foot <laughs> to get it into the slipper. Yeah, and, and there's things that we don't even realize that have been perpetuated over time that bring some of these myths and legends into our consciousness, and they become stories. You know, Little Red Riding Hood is another one. You know, if you think about it, and from my point of view as a paranormal investigator, I think of Little Red Riding Hood as a shapeshifter. It's, it's dreadful, isn't it? The wolf pretends to be the granny. And then she, then the wolf eats Little Red Riding Hood. And that story is in lots of different languages over lots of different continents. And it makes no sense to think of those stories as being real. Um, the story of Hansen and Gretel, that's another story. And it's a wicked story. You think two children go into the wood and they get captured and put into a cage and then fattened up. So they make a nice meal for the person that captures them. Yeah, that's an incredibly macabre story that we tell our children. But it's a story. And human beings are fantastic at telling stories about things and making them interesting. It's our, I think it's our pre-TV society where we tell stories, pass them down, elaborate. And before we realize it, we've got, a set of really quite macabre stories that are about children. And that's where I think fairies come into this whole side of it, because fairies are not real. They are in the imagination. They are brought into the imagination. Now, the interesting thing for me when I look at these things is, does the imagination build the story? Or does the story build the imagination? 
Now, there's a part of me that understands a certain premise is that if we can think it, we can manifest it. So if something's in the human consciousness, we can actually start to manifest that particular creature into the world that we live in. Now, if that's true, then we should be finding lots of Hansen and Gretel cottages in the forest and finding you know, wolves that can turn into grannies. Um, is this part of the legend or is it part of what we create? And because we haven't come past understanding how thought and consciousness manifests, it may be that we are responsible for some of these things actually being there in the consciousness of the civilizations that we live in. Who's to say that things like... Um, the the comics that um, the superhero comics that they're, they're really quite a big part of our um, our culture. A lot of people read these superhero comics. What is to say that they're not also a part of manifestation? Now it may be a little bit of a jump to look at manifestation from a superhero comic, but there are reports that in certain places in Detroit and in Iowa. In America, a creature called Mothman has been spotted. Now, Mothman, again, if it's a legend, it may well be a legend that people see things like flying bats and think, wow, there's a there's a guy with wings that can fly and we're going to call him Mothman. But there has been sightings of this, this creature that is a man with wings flying from bridges throughout some of the more distant states in America. And it really has been reported as a real thing. Well, maybe or maybe not. And I wouldn't actually think that Mothman is a real phenomenon. What I would say is that people mistakenly see things that they, that they think are or that under a, a certain influence or lighting or nighttime skies look like a person with wings. It could well be a part of our imagination. It's, it's true. When we look at a wall, can we not see faces? You know, if we look into a piece of wood, are we not able to pick out the patterns of faces? Now, that could be something that's gone back to our ancestors' time where we were looking to actually be very protective and holding on to our security. You think how vulnerable we would have been living in caves, hunting food, living with wild creatures and having to be on the lookout all the time for dangers because you know our life depended on it. Now that our life doesn't depend on it, we still have the instincts to feel things and to see things and to sense things. But those instincts are sort of more employed in the fantasy worlds of being able to bring people's imaginations to life. And some of the best um, books, some of the best stories, you know, things like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all these things, they're, they're great when you write them down. They're great for Hollywood script producers and film directors to actually manufacture. But they all fit into the same bit. They're all legends. They're not actualities. And you can take that from all the things in the in the Marvel comics right the way across to 
the Christmas celebrations where we, we celebrate a fictional man driving a, a sleigh through the sky with reindeers. Purely fictional. If someone was to say to you, that's a real event, and you probably grew up thinking it was, you know, for a lot of years, it becomes something that you would go, no, 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 no. We can see it's a story. We can see it was invented. It was invented by this particular part of the world, or it comes from Germany with the Brothers Grimm, or Hans Christian Andersen in, in Denmark. There's, there's people that invent stories. And the best people that are really good at inventing stories right now for the world that we currently occupy are the advertisement men, the people that sell you stuff. They are brilliant at inventing legends or myths that we can easily believe in and we can easily associate with. We can make films about them. We can write books about them. But they're all a part of the imagination. And that's where the Christmas story, you know, Cinderella, all the pantomimes that you probably don't get in America, but you get here in England, you know, I mean, all rely on these stories, Jack and the Beanstalk, um, Cinderella, you know, Little Robin, Little Boyhood, you know, all, all these things that we actually were brought up with are all legends. They're all myths. They don't really exist. And I think that this is the part that we have to be able to separate the stuff that is fictional from the stuff that is real. And if we can do that, we can then develop into fantastic investigators, brilliant paranormal researchers, people that are looking for the truth behind the things that are probably made up by people for their own purposes. This is Dominic J. Zenden for Twisted and Misunderstood. Today we're talking about myths and some of the things that we get a little bit misled about within the paranormal and psychic worlds. So hope you enjoyed the first half of the show. In the second half, we will continue on with looking at things like the spirit world and chakras because those are two areas that I've done a lot of research into. In the meantime, come and have a look at all the programs here on Twisted and Misunderstood. We're in 94 countries. We get a regular audience of people listening. So that's you. Thank you very much. Come and leave me your comments and talk to me about what shows you might like to be seen on Twisted and Misunderstood. We're going to try and get the best authors, the best psychics, all to come and talk to us here so you can hear their opinions about the things. And the nice thing for me is I get to talk to these people about how we all come to the same conclusions, but maybe in different ways. We all have similar beliefs, but we all have different opinions. And that's what Twisted and Misunderstood's about. It's about bringing the balance to the things that were shown. And let's face it, there's a lot of people that will mislead you into thinking things if they could actually capitalize on the potential of that marketplace. So that's what Twisted and Misunderstood's all about. It's bringing the balance back into the paranormal. Welcome back to part two with me, your host, Dominic J. Zenden. This is Twisted and Misunderstood, talking about myths. 
And it's worth just putting in at this stage that these are just my personal opinions. We all have them. We all have our own ways of looking at things. And for me, I've been very interested in the paranormal for probably now 50 years. It's been a long time since I've sort of started off doing and hunting for and looking for different things that are out of the ordinary. And it's a fascinating subject because there's so many areas and some of the things that were shown are always as authentic as maybe we would want to believe. And I think this is part of the myth bit about the paranormal or about the psychic. We want to believe it so badly. We really need to believe it. And the the psychic in us really wants us to believe that, for instance, the spirit world is a real place because we all want to think that when we die or when we leave our bodies, we go somewhere different, we go somewhere else. And, and I think this is where the myth of the spirit world have been actually perpetuated from, from our fears, because we don't like to think that when we take our last breath that we blink into darkness. And the chances are we don't. The chances are there's other explanations for where our energy goes to or where it transfers to before going back into a new body. And throughout all the world's religious cults and the Egyptians and all the things that are going on with the stories, the one thing that really follows through most um, religious texts is the soul and the flood. Now, it could well be that both of those are reality. The soul is there and is a recording device for all our lifetimes and is really our true essence, which is fine. I've got no argument with that. I think it's a, very much about that the whole part of us is in that, that plasma, in that energy. And the flood, well, the chances are the earth has actually flooded more than once killing all the people on the planet, but the planet regenerates. And the thing that we've probably not been told is how old the Earth actually is and how many civilizations have actually gone through their different cycles. You know, we've really only just been told about the dinosaurs in relative history, and they lived on the planet for millions of years. So what would there be against a real technically advanced civilization living on the planet and being killed by a flood or being taken out by an asteroid hit or something that's actually happened to the planet that's killed all life on there? Yeah, there's, there could well be a real, real debate about how many civilizations have been able to occupy the Earth. So... That's one thing. But when it comes to the world of spirit and where people claim this world to be, they claim it to be a different dimension or a different frequency, they may have a point that there are other dimensions and other frequencies. But the actual theory of reincarnation fits where we are much more easily than the theory that we go and repeat this same lifetime in a different realm and we act the same we do the same things you know so if your uncle jim has just passed away he's back up in spirit picking up his newspaper buying his bottle of milk and um walking down his high street but he's doing it in a spirit body you know that to me is is hard for me to understand or to 
really agree with. You know, the, the other one that lots of mediums seem to go with is that children, when they pass on this side of the world, they grow up in spirit. I find that ludicrous. I find it absolutely ridiculous. Once our soul leaves our body, then we reincarnate into a new body. And it can be a, a body anywhere in the universe. I think that we have lives in, in different parts of the universe on different planets. But what I don't believe is that we continue on the life that we're leading in a spirit body. That does makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I think it's one of those myths that's perpetuated to help mediums do their readings and mislead people. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it direct. I think that people that use the actual spirit world as a way to justify what they're telling somebody is there for comfort. Now, if something gives someone comfort, no problem with that. But I do think that sometimes if we're giving people comfort under false pretense of something being real when it's not, then it's going to be a little bit of a harder come down when we start to realize that we've been misled or we've been told something that isn't quite true. And that can go across the whole of the world. We love, as I talked about in part one, we love fairy stories, don't we? We love the fact that we can actually look at different um, areas of our lives and we can sort of have a story to relate to what we shouldn't be doing, how we should behave. And if we don't behave properly, something's going to happen to us. Those sort of stories have been throughout the history of this part of the world and this generation of mankind. The, the difficulty we have is picking out the things that are factual, things that are real. Now, if we compare the, the spirit body to a soul, there probably isn't too much comparison. You know, the soul is this plasmic energy that is more round and can fit into the greater shape of things and carries a consciousness. This is the important thing, is sentient. But the soul can reincarnate and it can actually go into different bodies at different areas and it's timeless. There is no time. Take time out of the equation and we start to really, really get underneath the purpose of what we are doing here and who we really are. So I think that the myth of the spirit world has stopped people really examining the meaning behind a life. Now, there are lots of different theories about where we go when we die and who's to say that nobody is right and nobody is wrong they are theories because nobody's ever come back with any indisputable evidence and and plus if there are um and there has been other civilizations on earth that we probably will know of yeah there's there's all sorts of things that are claimed why don't we see them still yeah, why don't we see ghosts of dinosaurs roaming the countryside you know, they lived on this planet for millions of years and there was plenty of their energy everywhere on the planet. Why would they not have imprints of dinosaurs going swimming across the sea? And maybe that's what the Loch Ness Monster was. Maybe it was an imprint of a dinosaur that once lived in Loch Ness. And we once, you know, and we get to see the imprints every now and again. But I don't see millions of reports coming back of a of any sort of... Um, tarantula you know any sort of big dinosaurs 
being seen anywhere in the Australian outback, for instance, or roaming Africa, or walking up Croydon High Street. I don't hear about that. So, so maybe energy is certainly imprinted onto our planet, but maybe there's ways our planet cleanses that energy so it disappears from the actual planet itself. And one of those ways the planet could cleanse it is by water. Water seems to clean the energy signatures down of areas. So if you've got a really haunted building and you want to change the energy feel in that building, maybe you use water. Maybe water is a natural cleanser. It cleans the energy away. And maybe the reason we don't see dinosaurs in, in imprints is because the world flooded, cleansed all the energy that was left behind, washed away all the evidence and buried it under places where we can't get access to readily. And it could well be that part of the earth is the, the living entity that it is refreshes itself and cleanses itself and then just starts again. Now, that could be just as poignant to think that way as to think that when the the person passes, the soul escapes or separates from the body. The body decays, rots, and goes back into the earth to form other structures on the planet. And the soul re-enters a new body. Now, that to me is much more conducive to thinking that way than to think that when we die our soul goes and starts the same life again in a realm of spirit now i don't want to tread on anyone's toes i don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable but the fact that life is eternal is something that i believe in totally i don't believe that our energy ever is extinguished i think our energy stays but what i do not believe in is we go and mirror this life on a different realm or a different dimension. It just does not make sense to me. The other myth I want to talk about before I, before I close is the myth of chakras. I see so many people talking about chakras. This, these are these fast energy wheels in the body, like the, the crown chakra and the throat chakra and the heart chakra, the stomach you know, the base chakras. And maybe there's something for people to consider that these energy centers are different to what we've been told about within chakras. I don't see the chakras. When I look at a person, I see the aura. I don't see the chakras. Now, it may be a way that mystics and people that are healers have explained how they can transfer different energy into different people. I think it's something that I, when I examine it, doesn't stand up to examination. All this spinning wheels inside of us doesn't really have too much effect. I think the aura, the energy frequency and the energy field is there. I think it's very much a part of who we are and our bodies reflect that. So if we don't eat right, if we don't exercise right, if we drink things like coffee and nicotine and take things into our body, it affects our energy field. Absolutely. But to have these centers that we can actually look at and change and rotate, I just think that's a total myth. 
I, I can't see any logic in believing on those areas and to see people examine them and talk about the different colors for the different chakras and the different centers meaning different things well to me it's nearly as much of a of a myth as astrology and the stars you know um representing creatures and people that they're, they're made up situations to explain the things that we don't understand through science now somebody once said to me they said if we were to burn all the books in the world every book all the religious texts and all the all the science books the chances are we would get to rewrite the science books the way they are right now because we're following that path we're following that understanding through science but the other books they would be rewritten in a totally different way because you cannot follow something that has no basis in fact science we can follow we can look at the different scientific evidence for different things um, the the scientific evidence for the soul for instance um, for out-of-body experiences there, there is evidence pointing to the fact that we can detach from our bodies but the evidence to actually show things that are just purely made up to understand things things like astrology you know the 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 actual working out of the stars into the constellations and and then these constellations change as the as the planet moves into different areas of space it's very hard to quantify how that can be apart from looking at it back as a myth a, a, a legend if you like about how we understand certain things and for me to think of us being all of us being one twelfth of the population just again just doesn't make sense at all okay it's a popular thing people love to read things that are, are positive and that are grounded and that talk about how you can do things and nothing wrong with motivation but to understand things how they are and to understand the things that are real and the things that are made up will help us progress as a species as soon as we start looking at the real things as soon as we start looking at what is really there then our race our human race will start to really really grow it will grow spiritually it will understand the longevity of energy it will also understand that a lot of things that we don't need to concentrate on anymore are just part of our history and we'll, we'll look at them in that way but as long as we perpetuate some of these myths and we really believe in them then it slows our progress down and i want us to progress as a race where we can trust and love one another and to know that we're limit, limitless and authentic in who we are we don't need people telling us what to or how to find things just because it makes us feel better this is myself dominic j zenden the host of twisted and misunderstood saying thank you for listening look after each other and if you want to get in touch with the show over the next few days just go on your podcast provider visit mindsight.org or go to auraprofiling at gmail.com until we next meet look after each other and i'll see speak to you all very soon bye for now